From the newsrooms of the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, this is Please Explain. I'm Julia Karkatzel, filling in for Samantha Selinger-Morris. It's Tuesday, January 9. When Australia's lead batsman and first Muslim player Usman Khawaja sought to express his politics on the field, his team and even the Prime Minister rallied behind him. But he was ultimately reprimanded for it. Kawaja wore a black armband during the first test against Pakistan in Perth in a personal gesture of mourning for children killed in Gaza during the Israel-Hamas conflict. That was after being rejected for wearing shoes with the words all lives are equal and freedom is a human right in the colours of the Palestinian flag. Today, Chief Cricket Writer Daniel Brettig on whether sport and politics can ever be separate. So, Daniel, for those of us who aren't cricket tragics like myself, who is Usman Khawaja? Well, first thing I guess to say is that he's the first Muslim test cricketer for Australia. In an Australian cricket team already full of stars, Usman Khawaja stands out. He's a fine batsman. He was born in Pakistan before his family moved to Australia while he was a child, settled in Sydney and moved up through the ranks in cricket there. Also was a long-time junior teammate of David Warner, who retired this week. To his teammates, Usman is the elegant batsman and the resident prankster. Oh, yes! The moment Usman Khawaja will never forget. Who is breaking down barriers as the first Muslim to ever play cricket for Australia. Do you ever pray for a ton? (laughs) I'd be lying if I did it. (laughs) He was someone who had to, early in his career, do a lot to fit in and fit in to, uh, you know, quite uh, white-dominated Australian cricket culture. Growing up, were you ever told that you wouldn't make it? Yeah, a lot of times. They'd go to Pakistani families, dinners and stuff, and they'd be like, you'll never make Australia. I was like, why not? It's like, you're not the right skin colour. After moving from New South Wales to Queensland, had a bit of a sort of a stop and take stock moment. It's like, well, if I'm going to continue to play cricket for Australia and if I'm going to continue to be a professional in, in this career, I need to do it my way and do it in a way where I'm comfortable being who I am. And that is being a Muslim of... South Asian, Pakistani background and all the cultural layers that come with that and being proud of that. And so that is something that I think has really underpinned his resurgence as a test cricketer in the last couple of years where he's actually been really the leading batter in the world over the past two years since he was recalled to the Australian team. What it did do was made me really hungry to be better. You know, you're going to have to just score runs, score runs, score runs and more runs and not let anyone have any excuse to not pick you. And I think that goes hand in hand with uh, him being quite outspoken on a number of issues, not least his emotional response to the violence and the deaths that he was he was seeing in Gaza. Can you tell us how this story first unfolded? Yeah, so we were in Perth for the start of the test series against Pakistan that's just been completed. And I was aware, having interviewed uh, Usman actually in Melbourne a few weeks before, that he was carrying the burden, I suppose you would say, of the images we were seeing coming back from Gaza post the uh, initial October 7 Hamas attacks. 
When I see thousands of innocent children dying without any repercussions or remorse, I imagine my two girls. What if this was them? I knew in the back of my mind that he had been emotionally affected by that. And so we, we got to Perth and yeah, there was a little bit of an eye out to see whether he would be doing anything kind of visible in, in recognition of those events. And of course, the shoes he was wearing at the Australia's main training session two days out from the test match had the slogans, freedom is a human right and all lives are equal uh, written on the, on the shoes. After that, the International Cricket Council, or the ICC, pulled up Kwaja and told him not to display political messages. The ICC says that such, such messages breach their dress code. The ICC does not allow political, religious or racial messages on cricket kits and uniforms. That broke overnight into Test Match Eve, the day before the first day, and he was then engaged in, I think, some pretty rapid negotiations and talks with the ICC and Cricket Australia over whether or not he would be allowed to wear those shoes. Ultimately, it was decided that he would not be permitted to wear those shoes, and if he did try to take them on, onto the field, there was a possibility the match referee, uh, Jama Gostrana, would have been able to basically send him off until he covered the slogans up or changed the shoes. So he covered the shoes up. He didn't wear them in Perth. The ICC have told me that I can't wear my shoes on field because they believe it's a political statement under their guidelines. I don't believe it is so. It's a humanitarian appeal. I will respect their view and decision, but I will fight it and seek to gain approval. So what did Kwaja do instead? He walked out onto the field on day one of the Perth Test match wearing a black armband, which is obviously a you know, universally recognised symbol of personal bereavement, mourning. And he uh, was asked on the second day of the Test match why he was wearing the armband, and he said it was for personal bereavement. It was his personal response to what he had, what he had seen. So he did that. He was then slapped with a reprimand by the ICC at the end of the Test match under their clothing regulations, because they deem that to be a political statement. Guys have put stickers on their bats, names on their shoes, um, done all sorts of things in the past without ICC approval and never been reprimanded. The opener announcing his intention to fight a sanction for wearing a black armband during the first test, which he insists, unlike the shoes he was blocked from wearing, was not a political message. Shoes were a different matter. I'm happy to say that, but the armband made no sense to me. The ICC asked me on day two what it was for. I told it was for a personal bereavement. I never ever stated. The penalties don't go too far. Like he faced or faces the possibility of getting fined a bit more heavily, but there's no risk of being suspended or anything like that. So he then appealed that reprimand. And as of this week, there was further determination back from the ICC in Dubai that reprimand would be upheld. And uh, so, yeah, we sort of, wait to see what, what happens next in regard to armbands. And what happened ahead of the next test against Pakistan? So there were behind the scenes a lot of negotiations going on. Kawaja was workshopping an alternative idea, uh, a, sort of an agreed idea that he would wear a dove with an olive branch and a, uh, a little reference to Article 1 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. So he put in writing a proposal 
that proposal was approved by the Cricket Australia Board and then that application was taken or was conveyed to the ICC. And then two days out from the Boxing Day Test match, so this is Christmas Eve, the morning of Australia's main training session where Kawaja was again going to wear the, wear the shoes with the, with the dove on them, he was told that that request too had been denied. So he was uh, three times denied the opportunity to make a statement of, of his choice out onto the field. We'll be right back. So Daniel, Usman Kawaja has been denied three times the opportunity to make a statement of his choice on the field. What has the reaction been to the International Cricket Council's rejection? Yeah, it's definitely uh, one of those issues that has been picked up more broadly. The Prime Minister today siding with the batsman. All lives are equal as a sentiment. Uh, that I think is uh, uncontroversial. Captain Pat Cummins, confident the matter. Uh, and yeah, interesting to to note that Australia voted in favour of a ceasefire rather than abstaining from their vote at the UN. I guess that is something that uh, reflects some kind of consensus in terms of what Bawaja was trying to say, and, and and I suppose what the Australian government was was projecting internationally. And what did some of his teammates say? Uh, they've all been pretty supportive. I guess the, the only player who was sort of put into a little bit of an invidious position was Marcus Labashane, his Queensland and Australian teammate of bats uh, number three behind Kawaja. Labashane is one of many players who wears or who, who has a personal message of a religious nature on his bat. He goes out to bat with a little sticker with an eagle and a Bible verse on it and so Kawaja used that as a bit of an example of the sorts of other personal messages that players have been permitted to wear out onto the field. And in the case of Labashane, that's not something that he's had to seek approval for. Marnus was interviewed about it and said, look, you know, I think it's slightly different because I've always worn that on my bat, whether I've been playing domestic cricket or international cricket or, or what have you. But yes, apart from that, there's been pretty strong support from the rest of the playing group. And that is in part, I think, because the success of the current Australian team is partly derived from the creation of an environment in the last couple of years where a bit more freedom of expression is encouraged. And that is quite different to, I guess you'd say, the norm in Australian cricket over many, many years in the national team where it was a bit more of a conformist environment in terms of we train together, we play together, we party together. It was a fairly sort of narrow view of Australian sporting manhood, whereas uh, Pat Cummins, as the captain in particular, has encouraged a little bit of a broader view. So just on that issue, can you help me understand the International Cricket Council's stance on this ruling? Because as you say, Usman and others have criticised the council for hypocrisy, referencing numerous historical examples of protest in sport that have gone unpunished. Yeah, there are various possible explanations. One of those is that the sequence that Kawaja has followed was was in a way that it gave the impression to the International Cricket Council that his stance was, I suppose you could say, a pro-Palestinian stance. And so from that point on, their interpretation seemingly has been that, well, this is too specifically political. And... It's on that basis that the ICC has sort of, I think, continued to knock back his, his subsequent requests, even as the message has gotten 
a lot broader and a lot less specific, I suppose. And it's important to understand the ICC and the ICC management in particular. It's a multinational organisation and its board is comprised of the chairs or presidents of the main member boards of international cricket. So Cricket Australia's chair, Mike Baird, is on the ICC board. The secretary of the BCCI in India, Jay Shah, is on the ICC board. So essentially the ICC operates a lot of the time as carrying out the wishes of its members. And in this case, you can, I think, also interpret that there would be some of the ICC's members not happy with, uh, I guess, a political stance being taken here. And so just more broadly speaking then, do you think that sport and politics can ever be separate and should they be? I think there's two schools of thought. There is the argument that they should not mix. I think there is also another argument, and it's probably the one that I would subscribe to personally, that everything's political. It's it's not really something that you can easily kind of pick and choose. And I think one example that we saw in recent months was the Cricket World Cup in India, where the whole tournament, it was an event that, that really seriously boosted the, the prime ministership of Narendra Modi to the point that all the big games and the final were hosted at the Narendra Modi Stadium in Ahmedabad. And, you know, he doesn't have his name on the stadium because he's a great cricketer. So I, I think that's a pretty strong exemplar of the fact that uh, these two things uh, will probably always be inextricably linked. There have been quite a lot even in, in cricket. I think one that was very, very much talked about at the time at the 2003 Cricket World Cup, Andy Flower and Henry Alonga, a couple of Zimbabwean cricketers, also wore black armbands onto the field. And that was in protest, what they referred to as the death of democracy in Zimbabwe. They were protesting against the Mugabe regime at the time. And you do find with a lot of athletes who push and push and push that it can, if they make a move that is deemed to be a misstep by administrators or by those in power, that it can be detrimental to their careers. And I think that's probably the most fascinating element of this as far as Kawaja is concerned. How much more does he push? How much further does he go? And does he manage to remain, I guess, quite uh, you know, calculating and rational in, in how, he, how he does this, even as it's obviously been a very emotionally involving issue for him personally. And so I actually wrote a piece during the, the Melbourne test that you know, a lot of the skills that an opening batter requires in terms of, you know, when to play your shots, when not to. There's a little bit of that about this saga here and, and whether Kawaja goes any further or I suppose takes more risks as far as his position as, a, as an Australian cricketer. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Daniel. No worries at all. Today's episode of Please Explain was produced by Tammy Mills. Our executive producer is Ruby Schwartz. Please Explain is a production of The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. If you enjoy the show and want more of our journalism, subscribe to our newspapers today. It's the best way to support what we do. Search The Age or smh.com.au forward slash subscribe. I'm Julia Karkatzel. This is Please Explain. Thanks for listening.